Hey everybody, welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 615, being recorded on February 10, 2021. I'm Sebastian Peake. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Brett Van Spoonberg. And you can sign up to be notified when we go live for events like our weekly podcast recording session by going to pcper.com slash subscribe and be put onto our mailing list. And Brett, I, I'm sure you sent one out today. You always do. I try. Some sort of a note that teases what's coming at 10 o'clock. We'll do it for other things too. We, we're, hey, that's a threat. Some of this is a surprise to me even. So yeah. there's that. Um, you know, we, we often put as much as five to ten minutes of, uh, you know, preparation behind this show every week. And you can help support that sterling effort by going to patreon.com slash pcper and becoming one of our patrons, a patron of the PC Perspective Arts. Do we have any news on that front? You know that we do. I'd like to welcome and thank Thomas uh, Stancombe. That's a seemingly an English name, I'd say. But anyway, thanks very much for signing up and throwing a few dollars in the bucket, the PC per performance art bucket. Really appreciate that. And I'd like to re-welcome uh, Callum Oswell, who had some uh, difficulties getting through the sign-up process and, and getting the Discord environment. Welcome. Glad you fought and uh, got... Uh, got through and are now one of our patrons. So thank you very much to both of you guys. Really appreciate it. Again, sign up over at uh, patreon.com slash PCPer if uh, you want to support uh, whatever we have going on here. So really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Without that, can't have this happening. Oh, also, if anybody logs in there, already a patron, logs in there, change their name, and I get the email and I see it, I'll read probably whatever it says. Most out on the air. For Most of the time, well, yeah. yeah. If you just want to insult one of us and use, you know, that's fine. moderately offensive that's fine. language, that's fine. Yeah. That's Even the best, sometimes, best possible thing. Sometimes, like, vaguely offensive language. More, yeah. yeah. You, Overtly yeah. offensive yeah. language. Yeah. Well, with uh, our housekeeping out of the way, it's time to immediately shift focus to Laramie, Wyoming, where roving reporter Josh Walrath is on the scene of yet another gut bomb. The gut bomb was <clears throat> very much a gut bomb today. But instead of fries, I did have a salad because I felt like eating slightly healthier. And, yeah, when you get starches with that much meat, it, it, it tends to, you know, wreak havoc with, with, you know, older individuals such as myself. Doesn't make any sense, does it? I don't act that way, do I? We no. suffer through it. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. But anyway, the burger, I originally ordered what was kind of more of a usual, the naughty. But what they gave me was not really the naughty. The naughty has bacon, lots of jalapenos and all that, but this one is slightly different. It still is comprised of two four-ounce patties, but there was vegetable matter in there. Hmm. Had American cheese, spicy barbecue sauce, lettuce, tomatoes, onions, and pickles. And it gave it a more classic flavor, but still with a little bit of bite. Uh, you know, American cheese, even though it is just a processed cheese product, it's got a time and a place. And this was the time. And that most certainly was the place. So, I don't know what it was called. I'm not sure what exactly all I ate. But it was still good. And that was a moment of silence. <laughs> Josh's uh, digestive system. Yeah. I'm disappointed about the fries, the though. I mean, good on you for the group. salad, but yeah. 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 The fries, though, are so good. They're really they good. Hand cut. Yeah. Fries, just perfectly done most of the time, and got a little seasoning on it. And yeah. But yeah, that was an island dressing. Nice salad. Breaking news new Intel. CPUs not necessarily compatible with previous motherboards. Can you tell us more? Whoever wants to talk about that. I'll do it. You know, you, we should have a soundboard, like, you know, for breaking know. news. Maybe we can just do that. Tonight, on. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, I think I sh- well, I was recording. We were recording that. We could just use that. Oh, well, we could just use that then. So basically, um, Intel previously said that, uh, hey, uh, all those previous 400 series boards that you guys all have out there in real life land, next generation CPU is for you. And then recently they just said, oops, our bad, B416, H410 chipsets are not going to be Rocket Lake uh, homes. So no, no on that. And that was recently released on their support site to say their 11th gen CPUs uh, would not have BIOS updates to support uh, their uh, their latest gen uh, CPUs, or unfortunately. So you're going to have to have a later H, uh, I guess, what is it, a 5470 uh, and uh, the Z490 chipsets with the latest BIOS updates from your favorite motherboard vendor of choice before you can socket in your latest 11th gen CPU. Does it have something to do with the VRMs? We don't know. They weren't really specific. Does it because is it because the old boards didn't support Wi-Fi six? You know, we don't know. They really weren't very specific. However, uh, they do appreciate the fact that you bought one of the old boards. And if you're an Intel fan, please line up to buy a new board, and they would really appreciate that. <laughs> That'd be. Great. But we didn't change the socket this time. No, it is still the uh, twelve hundred <laughs> socket. So that's. It's going to be great. And these uh, CPUs, again, just in case people weren't paying attention, they're supposed to be here quarter two, 2021, but it's looking like probably early March. So be on the lookout for that. Um, if you're an Intel fan guy or girl, uh, this, the improvements in IPC should be pretty reasonable. They look like they're going to give uh, AMD a run for the money. But uh, get on a newer board. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Not sure if, if PCIe 4.0 is going to be supported on all of the older chipsets, but at least it looks like uh, Z490 is going to be supporting PCIe 4.0. Like that was a this is motherboard specific thing. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely going to be a vendor specific thing. And I did make a note in yeah. the news item that there are sometimes uh, motherboard vendors that go a little bit off the reservation. And what I mean by that is they may su- end up supporting the 11th gen on some of their lower end boards, whether Intel likes it or not, because they're just like that. They just might do it. They've done it. So is this marketing and MBA guys who are making promises, but not consulting engineers. And then suddenly the engineers come back and are like, yeah, no, this, this ain't going to fly. Or, or is it just, would it take more engineering to just get this done? Right. Because it seems like since like, the Z77 series, you know, chipsets on through now where we're at 490 going on 590. Yeah. So many. Um, it always seems like they've kind of got this problem. I mean, they just keep jumping sockets. And if they didn't jump sockets, then they're jumping VR specs and they're just not being able to deliver a whole lot to uh, their customers. Other than like, you want a new CPU? You got to get a new motherboard. That's just that's just the way it is. We can't be bothered with any kind of backwards compatibility. I mean, AMD had a hard time with some of their fans when you know they said, "Hey, we we don't have enough space in uh, in our in our firmware um, chips that that we can support every single processor that has ever fit in an AM4 socket." But if you look at the entire stretch of CPUs that still work in AM4, it's it's really impressive, and maybe they've been forced to do that because they are second fiddle to uh, Intel in terms of uh, market share, and so they can't really afford to alienate their core user base by making them buy a new motherboard each time they want a CPU upgrade. Or is it just better planning? They did stay say from the beginning that they were going to stick with it for a some number of years and generations. Yeah, so. I don't, I don't know. I mean, is it yeah, is it? Know. You know, as Francois says, the the Excel file MBA guys are making all the all the big decisions and the shots, and they're they're not uh, sufficiently uh, talking to engineers, or is or, or are they just trying to push as many features as possible into each new CPU that they just won't work with older chipsets? I well, we know the eleventh gen is going to draw some serious wattage. We know that, but we also know that some of the motherboard vendors were robust enough in their VRM capacity in some of the lower entry boards that they'd be safe in supplying it. So I, I expect to see maybe a few rogue multi-board suppliers might kick out a BIOS. 
maybe. Maybe. Look, Intel users typically pay more for their CPUs, I would say, on the enthusiast side of things. So if you've already got the money for a high-end Core i9, who cares if you have to buy a new motherboard? Except what was $200. What's $200? What's well, $250? What's, yeah. what's $700 for like a Maximus 12 whatever uh, the highest yeah. end Asus hey, board is? I did just read that some of those entry-level boards were on 22 nanometer. The chipset. The chipsets were. Yeah. So I mean, how, yeah. how long yeah. ago was that for Intel? That's not like, that long ago. They started producing chipsets on 22 nanometer again later. Okay, that was 14 it. Nanometer, yes, uh, I thought there was a something where they had to go back to yeah. a previously so that's, that's larger process really. node. And okay. really, for a chipset, what difference is 22? N plus one. Yeah, I, I mean that's, that's yeah. the chipsets have always been that way. I mean it's it's only really until AMD has done the X570 that they required you know 14, 12 nanometer, and mainly because. The 570 is just the memory I/O controller for Verizon, so it makes sense to do it there anyway. Um, but it is interesting that you know, like Fizon and those uh, SSD controller guys, they are forced now to go mm. to a much smaller geometry and uh, power consumption. Because let me tell you that uh, I, I did test the uh, oh the Sabrent. Uh, Rocket Plus and a uh, USB 3.0, 3.1 or whatever version that is, uh, the My Digital SSD uh, M.2 to USB 3, and that thing got hot. I could barely even touch the metal case of that of that uh, stinking USB drive. Well, yeah, converter. So yeah, even still. That that flash must have been so happy being so toasty because it was <laughs> it was hot. Hey, some flash anyway. likes it hot. Yep. It doesn't seem to affect it that much. But those controllers, you know, they start to throttle over a certain yeah temperature. Hey, speaking of SSDs, uh, I see on my list here that we're going to mention Western Digital Shiny Black D50. I don't know if you remember this from CES time frame, but Western Digital has this new. External enclosure that kind of looks like an Intel Nook, but it's just storage. Tell me more, Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of an interesting little project or product because inside you've got uh, their SN 730 and VME drive, either one or two terabyte, depending on how you like it. And it hooks up to your PC via Thunderbolt 3. You'll get essentially all of the speed that you'd expect uh, from an M.2 of this generation, uh, sort of in testing reads and writes are here over 2,500 megabytes a second. So, you know, for an external enclosure, that's kind of nifty. But what made it more interesting is the sheer amount of outputs it's got on it. So you're, if you're watching the video, you can see it there. there there's three USB uh, 3.2 Gen 2 Type A's, another Type Another pair of Type C's and a DisplayPort 1.4 output along with audio. So GitGrow didn't really do a lot of the testing, but the idea is that it's, you know, inches away from being a media server uh, as well as just a portable drive. And for the most part, I mean, you could install the games on this thing and wander off. The, the reads are more than enough to handle whatever you're going to be pushing through. And it comes with a pretty interesting suite of software which gives you ideas how long uh, you've got left in your flash, like the, you know, how, how healthy is it, uh, spaces, real-time performance, uh, being able to update your firmware, the ability to control your RGBs, because, I mean, it, it says gaming on it, so it has to have some RGBs. Oh, oh right. So yeah. if you don't want to, it, it'll hook up to your motherboard, but if you don't want it to, you, you can do that on your own. So it, it it's... Interesting. I mean, it gives you so much more than just a uh, okay. I've got an M.2 like Josh was playing with his with his Sabrent, so I've got just really fast external storage, and it sort of goes a step beyond that to give you a, a little bit more fun and uh, flexibility. I guess is is what I'm looking for. Now, of course, the fun thing is that uh, because it is so fancy. It's uh, running you about uh, $600, $700 for the two terabyte. Whoa. That's pretty pricey. <clears throat> yeah, the one terabyte's just around five. Uh, 
So you're you're definitely paying for the really fancy enclosure, the the lights, the the little bit of extra controllers and stuff. But it sounded lovely until I was like, okay, so how much each extra chair are you charging? Like half again? And okay, at that price, you know, it's kind of a bit of a hard sell for me. Yeah. Jeremy, who's who is this for? What? People that have a Thunderbolt port and want to use it. Obviously. Wait, so Mac users and very high-end motherboard <laughs> users? But, but why do yes. you call it a game dock then? I mean, is it just for you? Okay, because you're it's got it RGBs. Uh-oh. All right, well, I'm, I'm spent. But no, in theory, you could also do a pass-through to a display port output. Um, so you could sort of plug it into a laptop. And it'll sort of function a little bit like a dock. But yeah, out of and lots many Mac users typically use this or laptop users. But are they are they really I mean game? Here's my five hundred dollar laptop and my eight hundred dollar uh, dock. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to make sense of this. Well, you know, with that active cooling, you wouldn't have to worry about what Josh was experiencing where, you know, your drive gets really hot. True. This is oh. cooling your drive. Isn't that worth five hundred dollars to you? Isn't isn't mm. this isn't that isn't that forty millimeter fan your favorite size of fan? It, it's a yep. Apparently, it's not bad. They, Apparently, they did a decent <laughs> job on the audio on it. So you've got that going yeah, for you. If, if but yeah, so, until I hit the price, it sounded like a good idea. When I hit the price, it's yeah, no, I don't think so. Wait, what is that U.S.? Yeah. Let's look at Western Digital. In yeah, just, oh, that was, that photo was, was what it said. Stand? I don't think so. Stand dollars? The, the Not unless uh, BH Photo undid, redid it on me, because I love sites that just automatically reprice things and don't tell you that they did it, even though you're desperately trying to find a that, specific that, price. That price included uh, VAT, so let's look at... Um, yeah, it was B&H Photo, uh, and it, it doesn't say... USB flash drives, I guess? I just want to see what their price is. Oh, these are USB, USB drives, straight up. Okay, um... Let's look at solid state drives. Shot Western Digital. Oh, uh, and of course, it's immediately going to send me to Canada. Okay, let's see. What's hey. the, oh, it's five hundred dollars oh. for the one terabyte. Oh, yeah. Ouch. That's oh, what I was telling you. No. Yeah, and you have to have a Thunderbolt oh, three port. Oh. In Canada, we've got a special one. Hmm? There's a zero terabyte for four hundred and forty dollars. It, it literally just says zero terabyte. And they're talking about the I'm fact not. that you can link up your laptop screen, all that stuff, but that's just like Thunderbolt pass through. So you're you're paying. It's I would say there is at least one to two hundred dollars just in the Thunderbolt dock part. So this is oh, like absolutely. a laptop dock. Just, so that's two to three hundred. Just these docks. Just these docks are you know, especially Thunderbolt docks are pushing three hundred bucks. Yeah, just because yeah. I wasn't really thinking about it as being like a port replicator type thing because you get you get an Ethernet port, you get Display Port, you get. High speed well, USB. not as many. Let me tell you, it's not as many ports as you do get off of a dedicated uh, Thunderbolt port sharing external dock charging yeah. environment nope. kind of thing. Anyway, yeah. But it's, for the same price, you get RGB. So there's that. Yeah. And your dock doesn't usually have two terabytes of local storage. Very true. True, and it does look like a miniature shipping container. So that's that's pretty good. It looks like a computer, but uh, it just has the storage. In it. And yeah. a fan. It also has a fan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you patched your Chromium yet, Jeremy? Oh, yeah. Story. I did. Because uh, that was pretty nasty. What's what's nasty? Well, I mean, just opening edge for one thing. Oh. Uh, but, I like, I like so this is fine. Yes. This is what, well, that's the one you got to worry about. So anything that's Chromium-based, which is, you know, almost Crash. everything but Firefox, uh, <laughs> it's... There is a fairly nasty heat buffer overflow that they're not telling us much about uh, other than the fact that it was patched or the patches were released on Friday, at least for uh, Chrome and for Credge. So if you play around with extra, uh, extra browsers, uh, like for instance, the Brave browser, or if you've been playing with Vivaldi, definitely check that you've done an upgrade to it because uh, those ones don't necessarily get open so often and don't necessarily get... Uh, the patch that you really want, which will end with a .150. If you look in the version, which works in just about every one of their browsers, it'll probably be, I'd guess, around two months or so before they're actually going to give us uh, the details on exactly what it was. 
but as of last week, they were seeing it being actively exploited. So it's not just a good idea to patch. Now, this is a good old zero day that's actually out there and uh, chewing on things. Or you could just go back to IE. What could possibly go wrong? Just I, know, I just noticed I've got a Chrome. I've got a Chrome patch to apply. I just noticed. I just checked. <laughs> See, just Aren't ignore. You glad I told you? Ignore. It's fine. All right. <laughs> yeah. I just. I'm just. Just dismiss that. I don't need. Yeah. Who cares? Whatever. All right. Uh, I know that you were super excited to talk about this, Brett. AMD. I don't know about super excited. You were but... soaked. I could hear it in your voice. Uh, DLSS obviously is only on NVIDIA platforms, right? What if AMD had a competitor? Now, obviously, they already have um, Radeon image sharpening, which and they, you know, you can do scaling and sharpening on AMD, and it's not the same because it's not doing any kind of AI-powered enhancement. But you are able to run it lower internal resolutions and then sharpen the um, upscaled image on your monitor and do GPU-based scaling, which looks really nice. Plus, they have uh, integer graphics on AMD cards too. But having said all that. AMD's DLSS Challenger Fidelity FX Super Resolution. What is the acronym here? Does it have? Is it R? Uh, Look, LSS. Is I think it RDSS? we definitely talked about this before, but it's really important to have a catchy acronym for your tool, your utility. And uh, I think AMD is going to go with FSR, and no, I, I think that's no. going to catch on. It needs to Look, be like FSSR. X. No, FSSR. Just a little bit. That's a little bit too, too hard Soviet to say and everything. Uh, it does know. need think, to be hard to pronounce. They're... It's too easy. FSR? Yeah. FXSR. Get, get that oh, X in F there and mess your... FXSR? I guess maybe. Yep. I guess that, that See, could be it's hard good. to say. Yeah, it is. It does make you slow down and hitch up over the X. XXXR. No, that's that's the triple X version. That's, that's, that's a specific add-on. Yeah, it's... Talk about well, your deep learning. It's still sad it's uh, Intel no longer uh, has SX and behind any other chips. Mm, let's, let's bring that back. Let's bring back the uh, 16 SX. I don't know. Wasn't that what it was? What Brett just said? Wasn't it? Yes. Noted the 16 yes, bit version. So there was a 46 SX. No. And then there was the yeah, DX. Yeah, no, it was, yeah, yeah, it was not. SX. They, were, they were full 32 bit chips, but the SX yeah, they had. Were. A 16-bit bus, a 286 bus that it ah, ran on. Yeah, yeah. And then later with the 486, the SX didn't have like floating point integrated. I'm pretty sure that when when we talked about it back then, we actually inserted the letter U between those two letters, and it spelled sucks. Yeah, that was the, the 486 SXs weren't too bad, but <laughs> 386 SXs they were. There was something. <laughs> they were not Talks. The best, but they're fine if you're playing really. Yeah, well. I mean, I, I existed on a 386 SX 16 megahertz for quite a few years in my college years, and it was got me through. And then you, and then did that machine have a turbo button? Out. Did it have the turbo? Oh, oh, didn't yeah. have a turbo button on that one. No, yeah, no, my first computer did, which was an 8088 knockoff. It was an NEC V20 or something? It was running it at like. 10 megahertz and regular ran at six or seven, but hit that turbo button. 10 megahertz, man. Yeah, not 4.77. Yep, <laughs> to give sync up all your video games. Hey, this FSR thing, yeah, what were we talking getting... about? Uh, AMD, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> they're DLSS gonna be making like something out of this upscaling. Yeah, remember, DLSS, DLSS version 1.0 and version 2 share a. It's about as much in common as uh, in their name. That's pretty much it. Like other than it has AI processing in it. Remember, DLSS 1.0 was based upon an individual mapping using their deep learning um, at at home. Essentially, the game developer submitted it to NVIDIA, and NVIDIA sort of pre-computed everything and built a an individualistic uh, AI mapping in order to do resolution independent. Um, upscaling and, and recomposition from lower resolutions. They built an individual AI map for that. DLSS 2.0 did away with all that. And they have a, a much better tuned but universal AI mapping for re 
recomputing missing pixels, uh, given a generalist or a general AI mechanism for doing that. Um, and it's pretty good, but it's in instituted in the driver. AMD's is designed to be um, outside of that, so it's not actually part of the driver. So it's it's using uh, Microsoft's uh, ML, their standard way of, of implementing machine learning right in Windows. So it's going to be much easier for game developers to sort of get attached to the way AMD is doing things. And it's not like they need dedicated hardware for doing the mathematical computations. I mean, it's not... It, NVIDIA's is good because they're doing a, a, a different variant of doing temporal anti-aliasing, essentially, because they're doing predictive vectors uh, NVIDIA, and they're using their tensor cores to, I believe it's tensor cores, if I get the name right, for handling that. Um, it, the way that AMD is going to be doing this is not necessarily the same, but the end result is going to be similar in that they're able to upscale lower resolutions to higher resolutions with temporal artifacts removed and a resharpening filter. In fact, they're showing that one of the links that I put in there for you is Radeon Boost. It's actually already doing it. And when their new version of Fidelity FX with and FSR come out, this Radeon Boost thing is going to be vastly improved. If you, that's that one that says we'll also update Radeon Boost. That link right there shows side by side kind of what it looks like 4K with and without their Radeon Boost and and um, how much quicker, how many more frames they can pump out. I mean, basically, both of these engines are doing something very similar. They're feeding less data to their processing systems in attempt to up frame rates. It's no more of a trick than that is give the CPU or I'm sorry, give the GPUs uh, less to do with less data to chew on fewer pixels and out pops more frame rates or more frames on the other end. <laughs> that's that's the trick and, and it's how to do it without really losing image fidelity or sharpness, you know, in, in the case of fast movements and, and temporal aliasing. And we're How's talking that? about doing that on the consoles too, aren't they? Well, that's, uh, yes, exactly. They're definitely going to bring that to the consoles as well. Again, this is not going to necessarily take a driver update. So it's a little bit lighter uh, in, than the way uh, NVIDIA has been doing it in that it's not as intensely connected to the game. To the, They have been. Um, and it's going to be kind of done outside of that. Oh, there you go. So that's full res. It looks pretty promising. I mean, sure, but uh, it's all going to come down to the developer support, right? And the catchy name. Well, I'm not right. kidding yes. about the catchy name. No, it, hey, there's a reason that people are paid quite a bit of money to work on things like corporate branding and brand names mm -hmm. for products. You get a and great brand FX. name. AMD yes, should hire one. I don't know. I think FSR is going to catch on. I think that's going to be the name. We're going to pause right here for a word from our first podcast sponsor this week. Remote HQ makes working together remotely easy by essentially replicating online all the ways people work together physically. The system allows you to build up your own rooms or workspaces, customized each meeting with apps and layouts as you see fit. Members can work on documents or websites in real time, sharing control and making changes on screen simultaneously. It's incredibly flexible for every group's unique needs and very engaging for the participants. In fact, at the end of a session, you can leave everything in place, save it, and pick up right where you left off when everyone attends the next session. Smart and a real-time save. Remote HQ has security built in. And with so many security breaches going on today, get your remote working team together on a platform that's doing security and privacy right. Remote HQ is HIPAA, PCI, and SOC 2 compliant and uses encryption throughout all communications, which even includes data at rest. Remote HQ is even GDPR compliant. Finally, within their locked and secure virtual rooms, only whitelisted authenticated users can access them, as compared to other password-only based systems where those passwords can easily be shared. Create your virtual office now with Remote HQ. No software to download five minutes to get up and running by creating your workspace and inviting your team via email links head over to remotehq.co slash pcper that's dot co slash pcper for a free trial when you're ready to launch your rooms use offer code pcper for three free months that's remotehq.co slash pcper moving on epic game store continues their love of exclusivity please jeremy i know this is hard to believe for all of us but yes I mean, especially since they give so many good games away. I'm but gasping. They, 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 they give right some now. games away. I'm not going to lie. Spoiler alert. They're going to keep doing that. Something or other. But. Yeah. Awesome. 
Uh, I got uh, Star Wars Squadrons and Battlefield off of them fairly recently. Not all their games are crap that they give away. But we already knew that uh, Darkest Dungeon 2, Chivalry 2, and a couple of others were definitely going to be exclusive to Epic. As in, you, you can only get them at Epic for a certain time. They also f mentioned that a few of them are sort of going to be exclusive, which in this case means not on Steam. Uh, Far Cry 6 and Rainbow Six Quarantine, because they're Ubisoft, so you can put it on your other favorite game purchasing and management software, um, unless, you know, you need to put it on Origin or Uplay or Good Old Games or Steam or, you know, it, it, it's getting as shattered as uh, the TV industry. It used to be that Netflix was wonderful, you get it, you got everything, and now you need your Craves and your Amazons and your Disneys and your Hulus and your everything else. And so you end up, you know, having to subscribe to a whole bunch of others. And the good news is that, you know, they're still not charging anything. You just have to sign up for an Epic account. And they're talking, although they're not giving away a lot of what they're say, going to be releasing. They say that over the coming year, they're going to be releasing more than are available on the platform at this moment. And there's a fair amount available. So you can expect to see a whole bunch coming out. Uh, it's... Annoying in that I don't like exclusivity. Um, it's not new. It's something they've been doing. It's something Ubisoft did. It's, you know, the only reason Steam was known for doing it is because they were exclusively the only one going. Uh, but now, of course, they haven't really tried doing it. So we'll see just how the industry deals with this fragmentation and people having to jump between all these different clients. And then, you know, some are saying, you know what, screw it, I'm going to wait for a year. Uh, it'll be available on other platforms that I like and do things like uh, good old games on Steam where you can link the accounts and push push the games back and forth without an issue whatsoever. So, Isn't that equivalent to Epic making the problem and then going, and here we've solved it. Here's a GOG client. Kind of. So mildly annoying is sort of my take on it. Apple's VR glasses are coming Someday. Still. It's just like, like Santa Claus. Someday. Uh, what, okay, where are there pictures? Whoa, okay. I hope this is not what they actually look like. Uh, I hope so. That's, pro that's probably not what they're going to look like. <laughs> that's, just, that's not Apple. That's just not. It's, that's not as Apple-esque as, your, as, as regular. It's, it's high I, fashion, I, to be sure. But and the edges is. are beveled. True, but I am I seeing any um, chamfered edges here? Not really. No, I mean they wouldn't. Well, put those okay, vents. they're not properly chamfered. Those vents wouldn't be there. I see a little plastic flashing. That's not like them. Yeah. Oh, but I mean, what exactly is it going to look like? Yes, the the replacement, whatever the you know M two will be. Uh, but the part that really has me questioning what the hell they're thinking is that each screen is going to be eight K. Eight. 8K is what they are 8K. saying. One for each eye. The, the pixel density on that is physically challenging, I'm going to go with. I, I'm not quite sure how the hell they're going to pull that off, or if it's going to be 8K in quotation marks uh, and be, you know, something different. But regardless, I mean... It's going to have a nicely high pixel count, so you're not going to worry about screen dooring, but you better hope that M or the M2 is powerful enough to keep it going because lag has a very nasty side effect in VR, one that neither you nor anyone near you enjoys. It's also, because today is a day for prices that make you go hum, looking at about three grand for the initial ones. I mean, can you really put a price on a life-changing uh, experience like that? I mean, why, well, I mean, why, Microsoft why take could. them off? Yeah. I mean, Their HoloLens exactly, is about that. You will not be able to take them off. You heard it here no. first. They, they're, they're an ocular no. implant. That's why they can do 8K in each eye. They harness yeah, the How power much was of the, the original Mac? It was about three grand, wasn't it? 2499 huh. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. About three grand-ish. I mean, yeah. you, had, you had to have and, a hard drive to it. Because no, you didn't have to you know, have a hard drive. You could swap discs over and over and over from the it was and a half inch floppy. That was that was very painful. And then click your single button mouse. 
You could buy an external we enjoyed floppy, it. an external serial floppy, yeah. and then later they had those twenty gigabyte hard drives or twenty megabyte yes, hard drives. The, sorry, twenty megabytes. Yeah, I was going to say they would, they would sit on top of it. Yes. So this okay. leads to the question of what the hell is it going to be? These Apple glasses. We've seen nothing about app support, and if there's one thing that Apple lives and breathes on, it's it's app support. Well, you know, after so, Steve allowed it. And yes, they've ago. got to be made with tantalum. High quality tantalum capacitors. That's Absolutely. why they're so expensive. I've also heard micro LEDs, which sounds even more insane if the resolution's anywhere. No, that's near just 8K. insane. It's just it's all too insane. But harnessing the yeah. power of Apple's revolutionary M1 processor, I'm sure 8K, 60 frames per second or higher is just it's nothing. The power of Apple imagination. Tends, no, that was Apple a different tends company. to build custom silicon for some of their wearables, like their headsets, their in-ear headphones, their watch. They tend to build entirely custom, never-before-seen SOCs for when they come out with a brand new device. So that's probably going to be true for these. We'll see some sort of, I don't even know what to call it, Apple thing. Flip your switch to (laughs) Android 10. Just don't tell Nintendo, says Jeremy Hellstrom. (laughs) And back it up, because this will wipe your... uh, Switch, strangely enough. I mean, uh, you know, you, loading you a custom back? ROM in. Can you go back? Can't you, uh, I mean, can't you pull the flash out first? Yeah, that's what you're well, doing, so I'm thinking flash. that... No, there's an SD card in that. Right, but uh, is the ROM that you're writing... Are you altering the ROM, or are you writing just to the SD as, card and it loads? As I understand, you're altering the ROM. And you have to make a choice. Do you like it docked mm. or undocked? Wait, because you can't they've have actually both? got. Well, you can if you go with the version that uh, supports the docking, uh, which doesn't actually support as many Android apps as the tablet mode, where it doesn't really function with the dock whatsoever. It, it's almost like you know Nintendo is trying to stop people from enjoying doing this sort of thing, which of course we know that they would never do. And so you know the, the tablet is just like boom, it's your ye old Android GUI everything you'd expect. But the one that's built for the docks is actually based on Android TV. So you, you lose some of the stuff, you, you gain others. Uh, and you, of course, if you're using it docked quite frequently, that's the way to go. So you get a lot of choices here if you really feel like doing it. And it's been a while. Apparently the last one was 8.1. So the guys that were testing this said, yeah, it's 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 responds significantly faster compared to the old one. But again, yeah, if it was made after July 2018, Nintendo patched the USB rescued mode exploit you need to be able to do this. And there's no going back from that one. We're going to break for yet another podcast sponsor, two of two, ExpressVPN. Hey, you know what's not fair? The fact that Netflix hides thousands of shows based on your location, and that has a nerve to increase their prices even further. That's right, starting at the end of this month, they're raising prices once again. Now you can just cancel your subscription or protest, or you could be a bit smarter about it and make sure you get more for your full money's worth by using ExpressVPN like I have. See, you might not know what's on Netflix in your country is completely different from what someone in the UK or Japan has on theirs. By using ExpressVPN, you could control which country Netflix thinks you are in. ExpressVPN has over 90 countries to choose from, so if you're running out of stuff to watch, just switch over to another country and unlock new shows only available there. Recently I was watching an older show called Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, and if you're familiar with the author Douglas Adams, you might know the show. It's not currently on US Netflix, but with just one tap of a button, ExpressVPN lets me change my location to the UK and I can watch it. Very nice. ExpressVPN is also super fast, works on your phone, laptop, Mac or PC, and even smart TVs, so you can watch your shows on the biggest screen with zero buffering. Be smart, stop paying full price for streaming services and getting access to less than their full content library. Get more for your money at expressvpn.com slash pcper. Use our link to get three extra months free. expressvpn.com slash pcper to learn more. Our last news story, CD Projekt Red. Now, they've had a great year. People, the uh, nope, fans no and critics alike can't get enough of CD Projekt Red. Cyberpunk is the most critically acclaimed game of all time. It lived up to the hype. It has been a perfect experience, a masterpiece. Great launch. You know, if Kent were on the podcast right perfect. now, he would say, yes, I agree. It is True. a masterpiece. Perfect execution. I've put another 100 hours into it just in the last week alone. In the last week. Good for him. 
and he loves the game and it doesn't crash for him he's got that magical combination of software versions and stuff anyway uh just the right touch on the mouse i'm gonna steal this from graham he's got great material in the youtube chat this week cyberpunked they got cyberpunk they got cyberponed well that was today we're not talking about epic anymore but they did get epically pwned they did They've had source code stolen, allegedly, including The Witcher 3, an alternate version of The Witcher 3, Cyberpunk 2077, and of course, far more importantly, the, what is the card game, Gwent? Gwent. Oh, Gwent. Which they released yes. already. That source yes. code is already nice. You know what, the first and thing nobody cares. source code to Gwent. Yeah, Downloaded five times. You know what? I have to say, I admire their response. Despite them getting super pwned on all this, they really got out in front of it and said, you know what? We're not going to take your you know, threat, and we're going to go whatever. Do whatever you need to do, because we're not having it, and we're not paying, and so what? We'll, yeah. we'll take the hit, and we'll get in front of it. So I and while you're doing it, we've got a side quest for you. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> hey, you know what? The only danger that I can really see, they say no personal information, you know, was taken or anything. So, right. but what if there is, I mean, with the source code for Cyberpunk 2077, which I assume there's probably more than 14 people playing, more than at a local game in Michigan. There's probably more than that playing the game. What if there is a problem? in the source code that illuminates a possible way to hack the game or networked versions of the game. I think that'll be interesting. I think they would be a little bit concerned about that. Yeah. I mean, I think you'd be concerned in general if your internal servers were hacked and all of your source code from your like nah, man. two biggest they, games. They got over that. that. They got over that. They said, you, like, you can have it. it. We, we couldn't figure out the source code ourselves. Maybe this community can... Can create a better version of the game. Ah, uh, well, the hackers <laughs> did say we're going to show everybody what kind of crap you you guys made. I can't right. think that was their play, and they're like, "Yeah, go ahead, and do it." Hey, swiftly moving is, along. That's a a nice photograph. Thank you. Hey, it's you it's abstract. I, I just kind of set the camera on a tripod and hit uh, continuous shot until I got the one I wanted. Nice. Pro tip: If you're ever uh, photographing RGB stuff. Put your camera on burst mode. That way, when you actually go into Lightroom and look at the pictures, you're like, ah, that one's kind of purple. I don't like that, like red. Oh, yeah, because I have, like, these lights back here just on a permanent cycle. So I get to pick what background color is in the finished photos because I'm too lazy to set up a mini PC running IQ to control the lighting myself. So how many 1,500 pictures did you actually take? Oh, only like 20 per shot. And you kind of look at them in Lightroom like, oh, that one is kind of a purple background. That one's got a green background. I'll use that one. So, for instance, this photo has kind of a reddish purple background going on. Plus, the mic itself is on like a color cycle unless you're running Ingenuity software. We're talking about the HyperX Quadcast S USB gaming microphone. Now, this differentiates itself from the standard Quadcast, which... uh, Brett is currently using. I'll switch over to a camera too here. You can see that red one. Now the red one and this one, they're the same internally. It's the same mic elements. It that is. one, that one just uh, has a red light when you're on air, which makes sense, like in a studio. And this one has customizable RGB multi-zone lighting. So obviously that's a lot fancier. And otherwise, no, I was going to say same. that. Yeah. Otherwise, it's pretty it just much the looks same. more upscale. It, it's it's nicer looking. I mean, it's it, 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 the only thing that's different is the lighting. It's the same frames, the same shock mounts, the same stand, same stand adapter, which is great. Uh, they did change one other thing though. There is a Wait, USB-C the shock are... cord. Oh. Uh, ah. Are the shock, are the shock mounts black or gray in that picture? They're gray, so they're no longer red. So it's a neutral okay. gray. It's it's a blank canvas for your RGB. Lighting personalization needs. If if this was an Apple product, how would it be described? Something something something. Chamfered edges. Uh, use your. I don't know. I, well, we don't have to make everything about I Apple. I think you were onto something. And look at this this picture here. As you can see, still has that great tap to mute feature, which is also the lighting 
on off, like literally when you tap it and you're muted, the light goes out. And if you see that the light's on, crap, I'm on the air. They heard what I just said. So that's all you need to know. And then use Ingenuity software to have better control over everything. As you can see huh. here, polar pattern, it shows you which polar pattern you're in. It also lets you adjust mic volume, mic monitoring, which you cannot do without the software, and headphone volume. And I've always thought the HyperX or the Quadcast had kind of quiet monitoring. The, the live monitoring is very low. I like to hear it at pretty much full volume so I know if there's something in the background that other people can hear. But that's adjustable. Mm -hmm. It defaults to 70%. I could have been turning it up all this time, but I wasn't running Ingenuity software. And, of course, you can adjust all the lighting. But here's the thing. Ingenuity software, you have to get it from the Windows, the Microsoft Store. No. 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 And it's uh. the only place it's available. The old versions of it that I found, they do not work it's with like the newer hardware. 1.75 stars. That People are salty. High. They don't like to uh, <laughs> be forced to use the Windows Store, and I don't either. And that's why I've never used the Ingenuity software for this microphone until... I had to do this review. I'm like, well, I have to use the software. I have to adjust stuff. And honestly... And you're using the mic now, right? You're, that's the I mean, one you're Yeah, it's right the microphone that you're hearing. So this is the real review. Don't look at my horribly messy hair that I uh, didn't wash today. Look at the microphone itself. And, and hear the microphone. You can hear the microphone. Of course, by the time you hear this uh, in the finished version of the video, I will have applied compression... And live viewers heard it without any compression. But, I mean, we've been using these mics. I've been using a Quadcast mic for two years. Brett's been using one for the last, I don't know, six months, eight months, ten months on the podcast. So, oh, at least. Yeah. At least. Maybe even 11 so, months. I think so. So the live version is the only place that you will hear it get really breathy. That's the only place. Otherwise, it's just going to be just EQ'd right out. I'll, I'll leave you with the full uncropped version of that uh Lead photo. The HyperX Quadcast mm. S in action, says the the photo here. Caption. Your caption really has a sense of movement to it. It does. I, I mean, I try to evoke a sense of Look at that excitement. negative space. Yeah. It's I know. true. His yeah. composition is, is almost surreal. Quite simply, the Quadcast S is a very high-quality USB mic that is equally suited for gaming, streaming, podcasting, and work-from-home use. If you don't fancy the RGB effects, you can get the same sound from the non-S model, but you can't go wrong with either one, says Sebastian Peake in this glowing review. But you know what? I, I uh, did not give it a, a rating because I couldn't find uh, the rating in our back end, which is an unrelated issue that I will talk to Brett about off the air. Oh, they're actually uh, they're in a convenient way to access them, but Is there? Well, inconvenient, inconvenient for you. Yeah, not convenient I did for send me. Out I'm like, oh, where, where's the rating? Where's the? I, I can't sent, find the ratings. I sent an probably sent a note. I don't pay I think attention I to your memos. I know. All right, we like memos. Real, it's just like the real office. Yeah. <laughs> what memo? Did you get that TPS report <laughs> I sent? No. You know what? I'm gonna have to. We have a new cover cover sheet for your weekly activity reports. I'm gonna have to have you redo the last month's worth of activity reports with our new cover sheet. Josh. Yeah. We're going to move on to Picks of the Week. And you have okay. one here. Is it the New Egg Shuffle? It's, did I already do that? You did it last did. week. But, hey, it's a, it's no, a good didn't. thing to remind people. you got to remind people of it because they're not tweeting it out. But it was active for most of this, I think, Monday, Tuesday, and today. And it had pretty good stuff on there. I mean, AMD processors are now getting uh, more solid availability. GPUs are still kind of rough. Uh, 3070s are now, you know, up there in price, 669 at the lowest. Um, but they had individual 3070s. And, uh, of course, they had the 6800s going for like 1100 bucks a piece. I don't know why AMD GPUs are so expensive. I mean, are they better at hashing out uh, coins or? or AMD just CPUs or GPUs? Uh, no. GPUs. No, actually. No. That's so strange. Oh, smart access memory so helps. expensive. I don't know. I, I, I no. <laughs> Josh, actually, that was the thing I was going to ask. What's what's the mega hash rate on that thirty seventy? I just want to just check on that. Just I have no idea. Note. What's I the giga? What's the giga not. hash rating of that? 
5600X. I have no idea. Or is it in Why do you ask me these things? Like, have I ever, ever talked about? Look, Josh, you're always talking like hash rate this and hash rate that. Yes, those were hash browns. Okay, that's right. Yeah, it was breakfast. That was that was it. But yeah, they've had these every day uh, so far this week, and uh, good products. And and I've known some people who've contacted me are like, "Hey, you know, I won, and I got the chance to buy whatever." And uh, so yeah, uh, that's going to be your best chance of. uh, I mean, if you really want one of these things. Get in the lottery. I don't know what the chances are. I don't know how much product they're shipping, but they're giving regular people, gamers, uh, you know, a chance to actually get this stuff. So if you want to do it that way, then give it a go. Or or just yeah. Become... And then the one thing: AMD CPUs are MSRP on Shuffle. Yeah. See, you're not That's overpaying. Ericom, you're paying. Uh... You are paying for shipping, though. Yeah. Yeah. And but tax. who cares? It's it's MSRP. Well. You're not getting a discount, but you're certainly not getting inflated. I feel like if I'm winning something, I want to win something. I get, I got the email. I won a 5600X. Yeah. As in, I won the right to buy one at full price plus yeah. shipping and sales tax. Yes. I don't feel like a winner anymore. Hey, you know what? It's better than going on there at 6 o'clock in the morning and hitting F5, refresh, 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 add to cart. Josh, and it only doesn't chumps go. do that. You just need to join media and then contact AMD and have them send you stuff. Yeah. Whoa, so, they're sending us that's stuff what again? I need to do. Yeah, we got a 5800 and 5900X this week. Woohoo! Oh, wow. Did you get it in? Yeah. Did got you it actually in. get them? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Brand new shiny sealed boxes. Just that's waiting for our review needs. Put it yeah, in that godlike. Yeah, yeah, really. really. No, thank you. Had so many freaking issues with that thing. Hmm. Tried to update the BIOS again using the USB stick, and I got the famous BIOS error, which it's a I don't know. It was an AMD specific version of the board before the retail boards came out. And I've I had thought two you, of these. I thought you got now. that sent. Oh, I, yeah, I, I thought know. you got that replaced. They never asked me to send it back. They just sent me another one, so I've got two, oh. and it was working. Maybe I found the wrong one. I need to make sure I have them both <laughs> side by side and say, "Wait Put a minute." Put a big mark on it. Uh, yeah, I need to put no. void on the first one with white out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yes. Mm. Okay. Check out the new egg shuffle. Thanks. You can win the right to buy things that otherwise you would not be able to buy. Jeremy. It's the American, the new American way. The new American way. Jeremy, please. What? Your pick. So someone asked, "What if Skyrim, but fourteen oh six, Bohemia?" And I, I stumbled upon it because uh, Good Old Games sent out an email saying Kingdom Come Deliverance is 70% off right now, as is all of its DLCs. So altogether, for about 15 bucks, you pick it up. It's surprisingly enjoyable um, for, you know, being a, a poor peasant that doesn't know what the hell to do and is being chased by an army that's ransacking his entire uh, country, but starts out by burning his village down. Uh, but you can turn everything up to ultra uh, where it literally warns you. And this game came out uh, about two years ago. So, and it's on CryEngine to just give you an idea what they can do with it. If you're not watching the trailer right now, so you can crank this up to the ultra settings and it pops up saying warning, this is for future hardware only. So I did this and my 6,800 XT is barely managing 70 frames a second in most uh, times. Uh, if you're inside of a village with it has to deal with a lot of the uh, characters moving around and the AI and the faces on it are impressive. Like, not as impressive as what we saw released today with those two uh, uh, images of, of faces from the... Which company was that? Was it CryEngine as well? The, the real-life faces? Yeah, I Give me a second and I'll look it up. Uh, but no, I, I was presently surprised by just how gorgeous it is and how interesting it is. And the combat system is significantly more complex than Skyrim. But you're still you know, able to use swords, bows, crossbows. Uh, you might be able to attack from the back of a horse, but let's just say this peasant uh, ain't too familiar with riding horses at this point. He's, he's barely earned, learned which end of the sword you're holding. 
These so it's quite fun. specs don't look that challenging, but like you said, it's the ultra, ultra high setting, right? And see the uh, HD texture pack? That also seems to have a significant effect. Okay. And you crank the draw distance up to uh, obscene. And no, it is uh, certainly doing a, a number on the system and looks like it does too. It is quite pretty. No magic. You're literally 1406 and, uh, you know, the, the king had just died and left his uh, wastrel son, you know, it's a common story back in the Middle Ages. And so his uh, brother over in Hungary decided, you know, this would be a damn good time to just invade and take everything over. So yeah, if you got 15 I've bucks, got that in my uh, Epic. I think I got it for free somewhere, but I still haven't it's downloaded worth and a played it. Yeah. I've heard good things. I'd heard almost nothing until I saw it, and now I'm like, yeah. I should tell people this. Hey, speaking of hearing good things, uh, Brett's pick is audio-related, right, Brett? It is audio-related, and you know what? Who doesn't like big sound in a compact space? I know I do. So my pick was this Yamaha soundbar at a very reasonable price, I might add. It looks to be about 20% off the regular price, and it's got a lot of features. Bluetooth, a subwoofer, as it were. It's got audio return channel on an HDMI connection. It comes with a remote. It's got capabilities of being wall-mounted. It's perfect for desktop. It's perfect for wireless use underneath your television. And it's only... $149. Plus, you know, and an optical digital delivery system. And like I said, audio return channel, in case you guys don't know what that means, that means you can connect it to your TV and control the volume independently. Uh, you don't have to, like, search for the soundbar remote. You could potentially use the remote for your television. This is a super Just, distorted picture here. That does not even look like an HDMI port, but that has to be... It's just it all squished in there. It is. It is. It's freaking totally squished. I don't know what the problem is with that it's particular distorted picture. photo. But hey, yeah. as somebody who's owned a Yamaha soundbar and thinks that they sound very, very good for their size, it is. I, I'm interested. Yes. One forty nine, and free 95. shipping on all offers. Forty nine dollars and up. Does this qualify? Yes. Ooh. Yes, it and, does. And stuff from OWC ships fast. I mean, I know I'm in Michigan, and they're in Chicago area, somewhere. In fact, I, get this stuff I think just because day. you've talked about it, maybe wanting one, I think it's on the way to your place maybe already. Oh, you shouldn't have. Thank you. A late birthday present. Yeah. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Compact design, big sound. Arc is nice because uh, the one I have is just uh, optical in and RCAs. It's older. This would let you have so that, as that you could see, return channel from the TV. Optical in, which is full digital, obviously. There are external Really? Is, it, is optical digital a digital format, Brett? It is. It is. Just pointing that out. Optical, digital is a digital format. But it's but limited. It also has but in multi-channel, it's limited to like 192 kilohertz. And that's true. Uh, sorry, 192 kilobit, right? For a 5.1. I don't remember the actual limitation. You can't do full and compress uh, beyond two channels. So you have to have the HDMI for that. Uh, simulated surround. Uh, so even though it's a sound bar, it does a simulated surround sound. It does have a standard, you know, mini, uh, like, headphone-style connection for speaker input if you really wanted to drive it that way, and Bluetooth. So like, it's pretty convertible. I, I like how uh, someone in the chat's like, who are sound bars for? It's Dave. Certainty. Uh, let's see. Uh, how about 99% of, of everybody in yeah. the U.S., in the world? Nah. There are people like me who have big speakers in my living room and a separate dedicated amplifier. But yes. for most people, they just want a soundbar because it's a little bit better than their TV speakers. Well, it's yeah, also good for a computer system. It's if Just yeah. put it underneath your monitors as well. Mm. Mm. You don't think so? Oh, wait. By monitor, do you mean iMac, Brett? No. Mm -hmm. I don't. They really make a fashion statement and provide modestly better sound than the tinny crap that came in my Apple device. That is totally true, but I can't hear you over the sounds of chamfered corners. It's true. Yeah. Edges, edges. Wow. What the hell are you doing to them? Chamfering them. And here's another chamfering reason. the F out of them. Yeah. Here's another reason why I bloody hate 
a million and one freaking game vendors. As people in the chat had pointed out, check your Epic Game Library. You already had it. Yep. I didn't so, check what? every what? single game platform I had, and I already actually owned <laughs> sort uh, of the same $15 well spent. Yeah. Well, I got all the extras. The, yeah. the Epic gave away the base game. I've got it like a dozen add-ins. Isn't it wonderful not knowing if you own something or not? It's here somewhere, maybe. Sure. Yeah. And with that, we've reached the end of another exciting edition of the PC Perspective Podcast. Tune in again next week as we will in all likelihood return for another one of these things that you've just listened to or watched or both. Maybe you watched and listened to it at the same time using the, the power of YouTube.com or the YouTube app. Another fine Google product, and we love Google. We just want them to know that. Yeah, and not cut us off.